0: Welcome back to the White Gray Black Weekly Manga Podcast. My name is Bruce, the producer of the White Gray Black YouTube channel, and with me again this week is Gautam. Hello, hello. In case you're wondering what this podcast is, this is a podcast where we talk about all the latest releases in Japanese manga. Since you're here, you are a part of this crazy little manga book club, so thank you for being here. This week, we are going to talk about Ranger Reject, which has gone very Chris Nolan on us chainsaw man which has done almost nothing but have amazing art this week and we're going to talk uh no spoiler talk about dungeon meshy because we got the anime trailer released for that so i think we should give it a visit
1: let's let's call it minor spoiler talk. you yes. won't spoil anything big that will ruin your
0: there you go minor spoiler talk for that uh let's get started with a little bit of news the first news is about dungeon Meshi, which we were just talking about we got a trailer drop for dungeon Meshi. that's studio trigger and we got the air date of when that's starting that is winter 2024 season which is next january about almost exactly six months from the time we were recording this podcast that will be starting
1: oh, man it, it looks so hype i i can't wait ever since uh trigger made they made it a- a pv like two years ago or something like that
0: they did a, uh, a manga release trail something like that right like manga preview manga trailer something like that and yeah it's really good it's about a minute long i think you can go search it
1: uh yeah i uh, we'll we'll get more into it uh a, a little later in this pod but um yeah look forward to it it's gonna be great
0: is yeah it's it's a super good series we like like adam said we will talk about it more um How do you feel? Studio Trigger is not generally known for doing adaptations. I'm wondering, I think that they're going to do a good job of it, because I think they're a good team through and through, no matter adaptation or original. Um, I actually think they might do a better job at this than some of their originals. Their originals are kind of hit or miss over the past ten years or so.
1: I I think even miss might be a bit harsh, because I think even their mediocre, like their lower quality ones are still pretty good um, yeah but but I, I agree they, they've no, never done adaptations before and they've done
0: one I believe they
1: did Have they I can't I can't it think
0: of was any. okay well if you search trigger on Google you get trigger horse studio trigger there it is um, they did I mean gridman is kind of an adaptation although it's original um, oh,
1: true. I forgot gridman existed.
0: Is when supernatural battles become commonplace. That, uh, that is an adaptation they did. That was very oh, early. Oh yeah, that's
1: an LN, right? Yeah. I, yes. Was, based was on was the light that novel. During GameX times.
0: No, that was 2014, so it's after Kill a Kill, oh. so almost 10 years ago now. Uh, yeah, Kill a Kill is 10 years old. How does that feel, everybody?
1: Pretty that's bad. crazy. Trigger Pretty still bad. feels like a new studio to me.
0: I mean, I mean, compared to a lot of studios, they are certainly a a very new studio. I would say the the newer sh- man. We could have a quick little uh, anime divergent here. Are the new studios now just like better than the big old studios? I'm thinking of Trigger, uh, Mappa, and Studio Orange, who's the 3D one who has recently done Dragon Stampede, Beastars. Um, those were all studios that have come about in the last 10 at least rose to popularity in the last 10 years or less
1: i I think a lot of talent like there's a lot of new talent in the scene Mm -hmm. uh because it's japan's like number one export but also i think a lot of like the big names go over to the new studios because they're innovating and trying new stuff
0: Uh, yeah that's absolutely true
1: I, i think a lot of the, you see, like, bad adaptations from studios that used to be kind of the name. Like, um, you see Madhouse put out Overlord Season 3 and yep. Overlord Season 2 and then Overlord Season 4. And, uh, sorry, <laughs> I'm bitter about Overlord. But also, Mappa, uh, sorry, Madhouse used to be the name in kind of quality animation. But I think a lot of their talent went over to other studios like Mappa and stuff.
0: Yeah, well, and some of their talent is... Sort of responsible for founding a lot of these other ones. I mean, like you mentioned, uh, triggers founded off the back of Gynax collapse, um, and Gynax was the were the people who made. Um, they were maybe not main credited, but heavily involved with Evangelion. They did Tankutopager and Logon. Um,
1: they are main I, credited for both, and they decided that both cannot exist under the same studio name. and I'm kidding. That's not the reason they split. But no, the they... the,
0: the leader tax evaded like or something, right? <laughs> is that why they got shut down?
1: I, I have no idea. I just know that the Eva part and the Gurren part, the Gurren part made Trigger, and the Eva mm-hmm. part, I guess, made the Eva movies. I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. Interview on Gurren. Yeah, all the OEAs. Oh, Apple's the original Appleseed is Gynex Gunbuster. I knew that they were big into Mech stuff. So yeah, Fully Cooly. It was a uh, was guy next. That might be what kind of maybe there.
1: Yeah. Fully cool is maybe the, the
0: most pre-trigger trigger thing to exist.
1: Um, That's a green logon for me.
0: Green logon is uh, yeah. Green logon and fully coolly are both same same vein yeah. as all that jazz. So, anyways, all that being said, trigger. It'll be really interesting to see. It's an interesting fit for dungeon meshi also because I I think. Delicious in Dungeon is a manga, um, isn't... I'm trying to think of how to say this. When I think of Trigger, I think of, like, really stretchy characters. Like, really cartoony, right? Stuff is as big or as small as it needs to be. It's very Looney Tunes style of anime. Um, and Dungeon Meshi is, has, like, a very small amount of that, especially more of it at the start, but it's a bit more kind of serious and straightforward i would say so i'm wondering how that's going to mesh now that being said they did do i mean like even cyberpunk edge runners which i thought was maybe more serious than most trigger stuff they still definitely had a lot of the kind of stretchy you know size distorted character animation type stuff so i'll it'll be curious to see i don't think i don't think airing one way or the other will will affect my enjoyment of it but uh, I'm curious to see which, which direction they lean.
1: I, I don't know. Like, I, I think there's a lot of flexibility there because uh, Dungeon Meshy, or Delicious in Dungeon, the English name, um, it has a lot of Looney Tunes type hijinks and uh, mm-hmm. simpler, I mean, simple character features, I suppose. I, they all feel like soft character designs. So I, I feel That's like uh, their animation style might might really work for it. Yeah, and, and I do
0: think when the humor stuff, or when the humor or sort of pliable character stuff happens, it does play into what Trigger's doing, and Trigger can make that stuff land really
1: well, so. I also think they, they picked the the best fucking non-adapted manga for the job, you know? This one is so fucking good, and it doesn't have an adaptation. Uh, Trigger just... And it's been around for
0: like... 7 years now. I wonder yeah. when did this start.
1: I actually I had to reread uh like 30 chapters today because I've been reading this for like 5 or 6 years now.
0: Yeah, this know. will this is this is about 9 years old. The original run started February 15th, 2014. So this is a, it's a monthly published manga and we're on chapter what's the last chapter? Like 104 or something like that 94. or 97, 94? Okay, yeah. 94 yeah so essentially every 12 you know every 12 chapters is a year when you're doing monthly so yeah this is uh and it's it's been good uh we'll talk about sort of the experience of reading it but it's been good for a really long time so this is uh this is smart from the publisher also because it is approaching its final uh approaching its climax or not climax it's, it's it's about to end. I guess I will say. Yeah. Uh, so getting an anime in while it's still being actively published, they'll get the reprints. Um, this I can guarantee you. In six months, when we're talking about it, will shoot to the top probably. So
1: it's kind of a funny manga because it always feels like it's about to end. Even in like the twentieth chapter, it feels like like not not like it's gonna get the axe. It's just that they're always kind of close to their goal.
0: They it definitely does a good job of. Well, you know what save it for the discussion because we're going to talk, yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll we'll, talk we'll about talk about the actual about thing yeah. the anime is coming that's that's the news there um one quick I want to touch on one thing in the sales because what was it two or three weeks ago we touched on sales and I remember saying hey this is what this is what most sales weeks look like right it's it's uh shueisha in the lead with their shonen stuff and everything uh this week which i guess technically is The fifteenth to twenty first of May is the week we're reporting on. Uh, This top ten here has no Shueisha properties in it, which is interesting, wild.
1: Isn't Shangri La Frontier the only one? Maybe Uh, Shangri
0: La Frontier is Kodansha, so they're listed here, kind of on the bottom left, if you can see. Yes, so the top ten here for this for this sales section is Blue Lock, which is Kodansha, uh, Diamond No Ace, which is also Kodansha, Tenche the I Got Reincarnated as a Slime, also Kodansha. Uh, Tokyo Revengers, also Kodansha. Uruwashi no Yoinotsuki, which I have not heard of, also, again, Kodansha. Um, Akatsuki no Yona, Yona of the Dawn, that's Hakushensha, is the publisher there. Uh, and These Last four All, Kodansha, again, Shangri-La Frontier, A Couple of Cuckoos. Kanojo Okarimas and Gatari, which is the final volume uh, expected to see up there. So, yeah, I this is a weird, and I started thinking about that's weird. Why is there not a single Shueisha thing up there? And if you they go, I think compete, to
1: the, right? they 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 just release their volumes at different times, so that people well, are right. always buying.
0: Well, and they also so the manga that got canceled got canceled about three months ago. Two and a half, three months ago. Um, and those, I mean, and Cancelled Manga aren't going to show up on here anyway. Mm-hmm. That means that is running a little bit of a smaller magazine for a couple months. I also think that they know... I, I, I have not paid attention to the sort of yearly cycle of this kind of, of publication, sales, whatever. I bet that whenever... Uh, WSJ, Shueisha. Whenever they do big cancellations and then start new series, I wonder if there's a dip like this every six months, right? Because this makes sense with we've gotten uh, four or five new things starting, which don't have new, uh, don't have n- uh, new volumes released to possibly go into the top ten. It also just might be one of those things where it's just yeah, just lined up where they didn't release a new volume of you know, no One Piece, no Sakamoto Days, no My Hero. Uh, no jujutsu kaisen right if none of those come out in a week then what are they i mean there's a lot of them they have a chance to hit that top 10 but if none of those come out then yeah i guess they miss so
1: It, it could very well be a thing where they have agreed that there is a space for all products to exist uh so they don't actively try to release like if you look at these kodansha publications a lot of them are like on sale for five days they've been on sale for five days so they all dropped around the same time I, right, I would yeah. assume that they have like a, a handshake agreement somewhere that um, maybe yeah. Jump releases on this month and or Shueisha properties release on this month and uh Kodansha properties release on this month. Yeah,
0: Something I, I like mean, that. maybe not. Uh, this it this could be Kodansha taking advantage of. um Could be Kodansha taking advantage of. I mean, maybe launching the K-Manga app, although that's kind of a USA-Canada thing only, so I don't think Japanese volumes would play into that. Um, it's interesting because if you go to, I don't have the picture here, but if you go to 11 through 20 of the top 20, it's, I believe, nine volumes of Oshinoko and then one, like, Kodansha thing. So, and and Oshinoko is, is Shueisha. So it might just be that they are using all of their sort of, publication distributors to push Oshinoko and they aren't uh releasing new volumes while they're printing more of those I don't know, who knows tons of things this could be um I'd love to ask somebody who works over there a question of where are you what happened
1: yeah hit us up
0: yeah speaking of western meets eastern Michael B. Jordan got to meet Yusuke Murata about a day or two ago uh, so this is a picture of them together. So Michael B. Jordan, you might know from, he's the the bad guy in Black Panther. He's a part of the sort of Creed sequel reboot stuff. A huge movie star. He was in, was he in Fantastic
1: Four? No. Yes. Uh, yeah. Was he the fire guy? Wasn't he? But, no. Nobody watched that movie. So let's just act like he was. I think he was Johnny Storm.
0: I th- also think he was, and I'm, but now for some reason I'm I'm doubting myself. But I'm I'm pretty sure that he was. That yes, Fantastic Four guys. Yeah, the 2015 one, which is the really bad one, right?
1: Yeah. I think this is the only like medium where we would explain who Michael B. Jordan is, and not the guy standing next to him, because uh, everyone listening to this probably knows who Yusuke Murata is. And yeah, I mean, you might not know it, his face. Really I
0: yeah, most manga don't. Don't show their face all that often, but uh, apparently Yusuke Rod is like six one, six two. Someone was saying. Yeah, I was gonna
1: say, dude is freaking tall. Because I think
0: Michael B. Jordan's five ten, and Yusuke Murata there is a good inch or two taller than him. So he, he uh, dressed up well. Yeah, he also looks a little bit like Saitama with the bald, which is a he, he a does fun look. that is funny. Yeah, uh, he knows though. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's cool because mangaka don't get. I mean, as much as they are kind of rock stars in their own little segment, they don't get to be. They aren't. They aren't really rock stars, right? Like, for instance, they aren't known for their
1: face at all,
0: and right? they're really known only in their sort of art, their own art vertical, right? Because I'm thinking of something like, oh, if you're like a huge fashion, a huge person in fashion, like you might get invited to the Oscars. People are going to be wearing you at, you know, the Grammys or the Tonys or something like that. There's a lot of crossover with um, all of the performance arts, certainly like music. Uh, music, acting, all that stuff. Tons of actors get into music. Tons of musicians become actors. Uh, Do you
1: feel like this is more of a Western thing? Because everyone knows what Oda looks like as a blurry 480p image that's, like, not even a good picture of him, right? Well, I couldn't, I mean... That's a photo everyone uses of Oda.
0: That's true. I mean, Oda's one of the few ones who is more publicly well-known, and there's not that many pictures out. You can go right now and search... uh, and search for Oda's picture on Google and you'll get a couple, but you'll get a lot of the little fish that he draws as the self insert. Uh, yeah, it's, it's weird though, because even this definitely could be an East West, uh, split or a Japan, you know, Western culture split, but
1: even it is right. Cause we all know what George R, R. Martin looks like. We all know. I was going like, to, yeah, yeah.
0: I was going to say exactly like. right. Like authors in the West, um, their picture appears on almost every book they publish, right? We don't. Maybe it's not not fair to call them rock stars necessarily, but we are presenting even people who are just writing, you know, fantasy books or whatever, as a sort of cult of personality. You know, here's a picture of the author, so you know what they look like. They often do meets and signs. Um, the mangaka don't do that. I. I mean, I not necessarily that I would have heard about it over here, but I've never heard of a mangaka like, you know, oh, published a new volume, I'm going to go and sit down for a day and sign the new volumes and give them out. You know, when an author does that, I don't you think know, they have for every book that. they publish. I think that's probably the big part of it is they don't really have time. They are literally just there to create art. Um, but, yeah, it's just really interesting, too. I don't know... I mean, I do know that there's idol culture and stuff like that in Japan that is similar or potentially worse than uh the sort of idle rock star culture over here for movie stars tv stars etc but um it, it's just it, really interesting to say like that's worse. that's this is maybe the second time i've seen yusuke murata and the only reason is because i did i did a video about him and i had to go find a picture of him and cut his face out and put it on to, to saitama's face for for part of my video so
1: yeah if i if i, I had
0: not done that would not know what he looks like i could i could I'm trying to think. I could maybe on one hand tell you how many authors I know what they like physically look like. I know what I know what Murata looks like. I know what Oda looks like. Um and
1: I, I know what Miura looks like.
0: Miura, you see a lot, yeah, from Berserk. Um but that's like maybe it. But yeah, yeah just anyway, very interesting like to see interesting to see someone who's I mean arguably one of like a, this is I would say Michael B Jordan is an A-list movie star. Like I, this is not a B-list movie star or some, you know, little some guy who's on some TV. Uh, Very much A-lister, yeah. Yeah, Michael B. Jordan is an A-lister. who starred in a lot of movies as the lead, has made millions of dollars, and apparently he, in the past, I think he, like, l- I'm trying to remember, someone pulled a tweet from Michael B. Jordan from, like, 2013 that was, like, he, like, tweeted at MangaStream, which is, like, an elite, well, quote-unquote, like, a fan translation site of, like, where is a Naruto translation? It, like, wasn't up on the, on the same day?
1: Rest in peace. It's been a while since I've heard that name, MangaStream. Yeah.
0: I yeah. see it pop up sometimes when I'm reading stuff still, if that's where the, uh, the rips come from, but...
1: Yeah, they were the go-to.
0: They, they were, I mean, I even remember, I caught the tail end of them, I think, a couple of years ago, but... Uh, uh, only a couple more quick news pieces. Um, new One Piece live action, Key Visual, coming out on May 31st, in about five days here from the date of recording. Um... How are you feeling about this? Yeah. I
1: have have nothing. I I don't see it being successful. I I, I just don't see it. But um, I think they worked really hard, and I hope it is successful, despite what I think will happen.
0: I am so hopeful and so outwardly positive about it. And inwardly, I am kind of on the same page as you, where I just can't... Some of the things, I just can't imagine them working. I see... I will follow One Piece live action news and they'll announce like someone is cast and they'll have them compared, you know, next to the anime or the manga character. And I'll be like, that's perfect. That looks wonderful. I could not have asked for a better casting. Um, I don't know what the scripts are going to be like. I do know that Oda was involved a lot with the production, which I hope. uh, I hope improves the writing and the story to some degree. The thing I'm most worried about is still the visual effects. Um, I think literally Luffy's power is the biggest issue they have to conquer.
1: It, it, I see no way that works. uh, In in a way that doesn't, that looks okay. See, the problem is it has to look goofy when they want it to look goofy, and it has to look cool when they want it to look cool. And Mm -hmm. I just that that's like a tricky thing that works within the context of manga and anime.
0: It's easy to do when you have control over sort of like is this background, you know, an impact panel from an action segment or is it a goofy thing and you control, yeah. you know, facial expressions and eyeballs being drawn differently and stuff, but yeah. So, yeah, like we'll keep it eye on that. A, it,
1: when he turns into a giant balloon and deflects cannonballs that's supposed to be goofy looking. But when he like stretches his arm and punches Crocodile with blood on his fist, that's supposed to be cool. And they yeah. have to be able to it's the same make both effect. <laughs> you have yeah, to use the
0: same effect to do both things. So,
1: yeah. It's it's tricky. I, I just I don't think if I was the director I would have a panic attack. But I I just want to see it work. I I hope they prove me wrong.
0: I hope so too. Um, one last piece of news here. My Hero Academia is on break again due to do, uh, due to author health. Uh, this is like the third or fourth time this year. Uh, the dude has
1: been burnt out for a the while. Worry, I mean, he
0: is he wants to get through. You can tell from the writing of the last year at least that he wants to get More. this over with. That being said, and the art he's putting down when he does release a chapter has been really good. So understandable that he's he's putting all his heart and soul into it. But uh, yeah, hopefully that. I feel that
1: bad for Horikoshi more than anything else. I,
0: I very don't. much do too. He suffering from success, yeah, kind of guy. Um, yeah, it's very difficult, I think, to sustain quality when you are you know being pulled into probably anime production meetings and all these other things and making a movie every single year which they did for like six years
1: but and I I think the art he puts out every week is kind of fucking dynamite right So he's such
0: a good artist like I I would argue he's one of if not the best in in Weekly Shonen Jump like he I'm trying to think of like he might just flat out be the best all around artist in Weekly Shonen Jump I can't
1: uh, yeah I I I I, I legit like he is
0: like you could put action like the action paneling the Sakamoto Days author's probably a little bit better um but i can't think
1: i, I think i would agree Maybe that like, Horikoshi is probably the best um yeah, i'm just
0: all it, just all around right like he can kind of do everything in of course the of biggest issue
1: I, and we're not being like suddenly positive just because he's sick the the biggest issue with hero academia has always been it's all style no substance
0: the writing I, is it, always it, just has been it it has
1: so many issues but uh I, I think credit where credit is due. Uh, he is an amazing artist.
0: We've talked in the past, but I would still love, love, love Hori for after he's done with My Hero to pair up with a writer and do something where he is not responsible for a complete package, but for just the artistic end. And I yeah, think
1: I maybe if only he, there was a, a writer in Weekly Shonen Jump who's amazing at writing and not great at art, uh, I wonder if there there was someone like that somewhere. God, Togashi, just accept help, man.
0: <laughs> I was like, who's he talking about? And it's yeah. like, oh yes, I've I've literally I have been into manga for what, six years now, and I have seen the publication of like four chapters of Hunter x Hunter.
1: Yeah. And they're all like novels, right? They're they're just Yeah. Or empty lot. panels or pages yeah. and
0: pages of dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's it for the news. Uh, let's get into talking about stuff. Let's start with the absolute twist majeure, the piece de resistance. Man, one of my favorite things this week. Ranger. Let's talk about Ranger Reject.
1: Yeah, let's talk about it. It's uh, It's been great. It's been freaking so entertaining. These
0: past few chapters have really... It feels... This is the way manga really gets you is when you're reading a thing and I I don't know like this could be the end of the story like it could this could be the start of the final chapter or we could be like a third of the way through and
1: I don't know but I'm like
0: so invested now
1: I'm unsure as well because it's like technically things cannot go back to the status quo it's impossible at this point in the manga for things to go back to the status quo Uh, let me I'll do a short recap to where we are basically um there was this arc with the Invaders' Rights Association where they're like, oh, everyone deserves equal treatment, let's be nice to the invaders. And um, it turns out they were turning normal people into just monsters. Uh, and their executives got little boosties that turned them into like hybrid invader human beings. The rangers, well, hi- yeah,
0: and specifically hybrid executive invader humans. Yeah,
1: members. so they're like super powered invaders, uh, and the rangers are infiltrating. Uh, rangers also are shithead murderer narcissists. So there are no actual good guys at all in this fight. Yes, uh,
0: literally, no D, one is a good guy here. Like yeah, D, D is is the best is, of them because somehow. D is against everyone, and no one is a good guy. He is technically the good guy. I mean, he's also the main character, but. Literally the only reason we are rooting for him is cuz everyone else is worse. Like
1: yeah, and and note the best person in this fight is using someone who's dying as kind of a launching pad to get over some lava or whatever this is. Yep. Uh he's also a scumbag shithead. Uh he's so he's wh-
0: such a good main character. I man, you could have an argument for Foot Soldier D being like one of the best shonen main characters being published right now. Like I can't
1: I He carried this series when it was at his weakest, like even even at the point where it was like early on when we weren't that enthused about where where the series was going. We were like, at least every scene with D is just fun as fuck.
0: Yeah. Um, Okay. So here is something that I wanted to bring up. So because we've gotten kind of a bunch of these twist reveals, we'll talk about the kind of big one in in a page or two. Do you think if you went back and read, there's an arc that we that Gautam and I agree was kind of like a real down point that lasted maybe only like 10 or 12, 14 chapters, something like that. Maybe two volumes, a volume or two. Um, we like to call it the, like, it's just the garage arc because all the, they did the, was the fight the in a garage. garage the, yeah. All they did was fight in a parking garage like six times over this span of like 15 chapters. It was, was um, kind of lame. I think on reread, that's going to be better. Don't do you agree? Cause I think now that we know where some of these characters are going, we know more about, because the, uh, the girl who we'll talk about in a little bit, she shows up at one point in that arc and does some stuff. And it's kind of confusing. Like, what is she there? What is she doing? That's going to tie into things a little bit better. The executive being there, blue being there and blue knows what this twist we'll talk about coming up is. Um,
1: okay. that's I don't know. a good I, point about blue. I, I, the thing is, I kind of remember all of her scenes. Um, so I don't think it, and it, they weren't that many of them. So I I don't think it would be that. Like I think that was just a weak arc, personally. Um, I, I kind of agree, but I'm yeah. I'm there might curious, be there, right? Yeah. At
0: some point, maybe not soon, but at some point, I am going to go back and reread Ranger Reject.
1: Mm-hmm. I
0: it's just I mean, in the same way that Chainsaw Man kind of finished, and I went back and reread all of it straight through, and it I mean. I won't say it improved it, but it was equally enjoyable the second time through, knowing where things were going, yeah. knowing how it kind of worked. Knowing, um, like, Machima's I mean, ex- intentions, yeah. Exactly, and I think knowing those things, um, I'm I'm squarely, so this is something that I, I differ from, I think, the vast majority of people on. Um, I don't think you can spoil something for me unless there is a twist, right? If you just tell me, if you go, oh, yeah, it's a rom-com, and it's about... She forgets stuff, and he and he, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of what happens in Fifty First Dates. He eventually doesn't jog her memory, but they still kind of promise, and he makes a really nice love video, and that's. And I was like, oh, okay. There's that's not a twist ending, right? Nothing, nothing came out of left field. It doesn't change the way I view the art, telling me how it ends or telling me what happens, right? The only thing you can spoil me on is a is a twist, or if telling me. Part of the story changes how I view the rest of it, right? Like you literally cannot spoil a Marvel movie for me because Marvel movies legitimately do not have twists in them. Even telling me a big plot point, like I'm going to spoil the second Avengers, first Avengers movie. No, the the Avengers movie where Gamora dies. <laughs> you can tell me that Gamora dies from Thanos, you know, throwing her into the Soul Prism or whatever. In the Avengers movie, and that doesn't actually change the way I see anything that happens before or after in the movie, right? That is not a twist. That is just an event that happens in the movie that I might not have known was coming, but it doesn't matter. To me, that's not a spoiler. It, it, mm-hmm. it, it is, and I understand why it is for other people, but the only thing you can spoil for me is telling me like, oh, by the way, you know, you're going to, you know, uh, I'm trying to think, what's a big twisty
1: movie? Uh, uh, the Sixth Sense. Bruce right, Willis yeah, The, the no.
0: Sixth Sense is a good one. That's a good one that everyone knows, right? Yeah, If, if I'm going, so, oh, I've never seen The Sixth Sense, never even heard about it, I'm going to watch it, and you go, oh, yeah, Bruce Willis is dead the whole time. You're like, that, that legitimately changes the way you view the movie.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so anyways, that being said, rereads for me I love because once you sort of know what's coming and you can read into foreshadowing and you can see kind of more the flow of the story and where you are, kind of where you are in the, the story flow of rising action, falling action, climax, all that all that jazz. I like knowing kind of where I am on the map of the story. So I really like doing rereads like that. So,
1: And I, we won't get too into the weeds, but let me give you my perspective on even like minor spoilers and why they bother me. Um, for me, it's about presentation. I feel like everything has already been done before, which is why spoilers don't affect you too much. So you can kind of see the narrative through line to where an right. author is trying to go. But for me, it's about the presentation of the plot point. So if someone describes a spoiler to me, they rob the author of presenting it themselves. And that kind of already implants in your head how things are going to work out. So it, sometimes what the author does doesn't meet your expectations of what you had in your head of how they're going to get deliver that plot point. And I think it's important to kind of just experience their presentation of it like at the moment without going in with preconceived notions. Mm-hmm. Um, there is definitely, I, I mean... Yeah, I don't know if I explained that in a coherent way, but that's how I feel about it.
0: I definitely, there is definitely, even I agree with, with, with what I said about spoilers, that going into a movie and knowing nothing about it, even if it's not a twist-filled thing, but especially if it does have those kinds of plot points, that is often... If not always, the best way to consume something. Um, Right. Having preconceived notions around any form of art before you consume it is is often a a setup for like it's often a setup for for failure. Yeah, exactly.
1: You go in with a, a little bit of bias in how things will play out, and when it fails to meet your expectations in that regard. I I feel like it fosters a little bit of disappointment sometimes unless mm-hmm. it's like an amazing amazingly presented thing. Uh, yeah. But anyway, either way, more uh, on to Ranger. Either uh, way, yes. The, uh, the, so thing. let's
0: talk about
1: uh, the next. Let's stage, talk about the it,
0: twist that so this yeah, is Yellow Ranger that D is confronting, um, and he gives us a series of like one two three like three two or three big twists and a row. He just kind of lays it out there.
1: Yeah, effectively, the TLDR of what he reveals to D is that he created the rangers, him personally created the uh sorry, not the rangers, the invaders, and he also created the divine tools to kill the invaders. So he, he manufactured a threat to humanity, and the rangers all exist to fight that threat to question mark, question mark, question mark, profit, right? Um, right.
0: And this is something that we have talked about and I know a lot of people um, in the fandom in the comment sections and Twitter have talked about of the most people guessed. I think that there was some kind of agreement between the Rangers and the invaders of like, well, you know, they're they're at some kind of equal war for some reason. Right. It's mutually beneficial to both. Um, I don't know necessarily there are that many predictions of the rangers created all the invaders including the executives or for what reason but i mean this is a cool twist and it makes sense and it's going to make more sense i think the more information we get which i think we're going to get more in the coming chapters so
1: i also very much love this panel uh i I don't know what you thought about it but i love his like uh shit-eating grin um Mm -hmm. but also in kind of predator see-through mode i like how uh what is this author's name again the artist's
0: Oh, uh, Negi, Uh, how do do, uh, I, yeah, Yeah.
1: I absolutely adore the, the predator mode, uh, transparency art that he drew here, it's, uh, really cool, uh, yeah, but effectively, that is, that is what, everything that was revealed, um, and one, one final twist, well, that that is not
0: everything that was revealed, I was gonna say, yes,
1: there's one last one, yeah, um, is that the divine tools can no longer be made, Uh, and they are made, they could only be used initially by chosen ones. Uh, Now there are no more chosen ones left, and it is implied that the divine tools are made using human sacrifice or human life of these quote-unquote chosen ones.
0: Well, and and I, I read that a little bit differently. I don't know if we have full confirmation. I read it more like the powers belonged to the humans, and what Yellow did was take that, Power that belonged to a human and turned it into a divine tool. Just because ah. this panel, the panel from Blue, where it was like, this one's her power, no, I don't, I, it could go either way. I don't think it's confirmed. Um, but the way I read it from Blue was more like, oh, she had this power and she could use it, and then we turned her into a divine tool, and now I'm using her power through the tool, as opposed to she had the divine tool and she could use it, and then now. We sacrificed her, and now anyone can use it, or something like that. So,
1: I have an inkling it is human sacrifice. Like the the life of the person is gone, and I only say that well, because yes, of sure. the st- the stark realization from D and the shit eating grin from Yellow Ranger here. Uh, yeah. But I was more talking like the,
0: I was more talking that I think the I think if we're looking at like a timeline. Originally, it would have been okay. There's five humans with these superpowers, and what Yellow does is creates the invaders, or like creates a threat maybe to threaten them, gets those five people to be potentially the original rangers, and then systematically sort of kills them and converts them into the divine tools, which can now be used by the more current rangers. That's uh, yeah, my yeah. theory.
1: I completely agree with that theory. I, I think that's exactly what's, what's going on and what went down. Um, I think you're totally right. Uh, also, I in the next page uh, i think i was gonna the say page. there's
0: actually one more twist there's actually four yes. things
1: um it is that they've all been used up except for one which is the crazy trick. uh i still don't remember her name but, i also uh, still can't
0: remember her name but this is this to me is like a this is the ouroboros like full circle like connecting uh, connecting into itself because she this character and i'm I have to look up her name real quick because i can't remember it i don't
1: I don't think they even say her name too much, but yeah.
0: Yeah, they do. I just can't
1: List Well, it, it it very much explains why she is she's in pink, by no white? one. Or, or is she in uh she's in yellow. She's in she's yellow. She's in yellow. She's in yellow. Yeah. Uh Suzuki. Yeah, she's like That's who it is. she's the she's the second commander next to the yellow leader.
0: Yeah, Suzuki. And it makes sense that she's in yellow because if yellow's the one who creates these divine tools, he would want to keep an eye on the the last person who could be turned into a divine tool.
1: Um, Also, she is the most fearless character in this series to like an insane extent. Like she talks shit to red right after red murdered a dude for insubordination. Mm-hmm. And people
0: and people he, pointed this out a couple of months ago in those chapters where she was like literally just walking into the Rangers room like as a you know junior officer like not someone on the same level as the Rangers at all and just yeah like talking shit to them like kind of threatening them kind of like egging them on and people are like who like who does she think she is why aren't they like you know going ham hey, on her
1: um, it, it makes sense she's an asset right so uh she yeah. can get away with a lot of stuff without seeing any consequences so that's awesome um, yeah well and, good, and, good and like,
0: yeah like I was saying this connects the story to me because ever since the very start it's been pretty clear why D uh, is motivated to do what he does he's tired of just fighting and dying he's tired of being looked down on. he thinks the rangers suck he's gonna take him down his motivation has always made sense as it's evolved through the series um, and the other character Sakurama right um, right his his motivation has always made sense we've learned more Um, It's clear he's just kind of, he's a nice guy. He wants to help his sister, who's Pink Ranger, right? Um, They both got attacked by an executive, right? His, again, his uh, motivations always made complete sense to me. Her motivations were always shrouded in mystery. I think she kind of was always more of a chaotic energy, but I, literally this reveal of her being the last, uh, like, powered human who could be turned into a divine tool... Um, like literally just links all of the things she's done together it explains all of her past actions which have seemed which has seemed chaotic into i understand all of it now it makes complete sense this is like this is it's like great. seriously good storytelling mystery reveal stuff
1: here and i think uh one other fun plot well not not even a plot point just a character point is that d the undercover ranger who is actually a foot soldier is actually the simplest character in this series (laughs) um sakurama is like a paladin to an insane extent where he's actually just a crazy person like he's willing to lose an arm for a distraction like he he's nuts everyone is either crazy or shitty or like they have convoluted 3d mind game plans and d is just here doing his best (laughs) uh i i love that
0: D is, like like we were talking about, D is definitely one of the best main characters in, for me, storytelling. I I love the angle of just, like, a simpleton who thinks these people are shitty and is not letting, does not letting any kind of morals he does not possess stand in his way, but at the same time, also is developing some morals along the way. Um, He's great, but yeah, I mean, this... This chapter alone really I mean it really Nolan stuff up in the best way. Like this I mean and there's actually one more twist. I think there are actually technically five twists at the end of this. So do we want to even mention the very last one from the last page or not? I mean, we can leave it.
1: Uh remind me cuz I'm not remembering. Uh last, 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 last. There's
0: Suzukiri there's a bunch of tanks she sees. Do you do you remember that? No, we'll just say it. If I'll give you Dude, a time, just, t- just say it. Just say it. I'll paint it. There's a bunch of tanks with Suzukiri clones in them at the end of this chapter that she sees, right? Oh, because they're right. trying to clone her, or or I think the prevailing theory is that they're using clones of Suzukiri to make the sort of lesser divine tools that the the not Dragon Keeper Rangers use. Um, I think that's that's where my mind is also. Although it could be uh, could be something different. I, that one isn't fully explained because that's literally the very last like panel on the last page we see
1: we Uh, truly are the end of evangelion on this blessed day
0: well i mean that's literally uh, i I will not say which one because i will not spoil that because that is a movie that is very interested in you not knowing anything about it there is a christopher nolan movie and a bunch of people in tanks is part of the a twist of that movie and it's incredible it's amazing so if you don't know what it is just go watch all his movies and you'll figure it out uh Yeah, I mean that's crazy. I mean, literally five twists slash reveals in this chapter, and I'm not going to say it's changed everything because for D it kind of has changed very little, but it has like recontextualized the whole story.
1: And it It has changed everything for the audience, right? Yeah, for the uh,
0: yeah for the audience, and definitely yeah, it's yes. perfect call out it has changed everything for the audience even though it maybe hasn't changed anything for any of the characters and that's a cool that's a cool feeling
1: right uh yeah it's it's interesting because we see d's viewpoint for most things um so we absorb information the same way he does uh it's funny that the spy character knows the least out of anyone but um yeah it's just it's just fascinating. Uh, really good series. It has... Super good. It has picked up steam in a major way.
0: And this is getting an anime. This is... Okay, we're now in the realm of, like, when this anime starts airing, people are going to be, like, Attack on Titan threads on Reddit. Do, I don't know do, if you remember... You think so? I think so. I with this, I think with this chapter alone, the amount of things that people are going to be calling out in the anime to not spoil for anime only is going to be, maybe not quite as big as Attack on Titan, um, but it's pretty close. I would I would say it's. Pr- I mean, it, it's the problem is there's kind of more information you don't have until the middle or later than the chapter of like, the things that Blue said right, which we get a flashback to.
1: I I, just, I, I just don't know if it can hit that level because I don't think. Um
0: Attack on Titan is much more sort of like, whoa, what? And it's also a cool reveal because that that twist that I think most people know what I'm talking about is very like, the twist is revealed and then immediately it's a big action set piece from it. So and I don't know if we're going to have the same here or what. but I
1: I also think it's because Attack on Titan is like so unique at the beginning as well. Like uh, this is just a Power Rangers clone, you know, so I think Attack on Titan has that appeal of, it being its own thing,
0: yeah, I do think there's a there's a little bit of a similarity in that Attack on Titan starts as a shonen, and then around the time that you start getting the twist reveals, it's very much trying to subvert the shonen superpowered hero mm-hmm. is always right. I mean, it does it it for sure is doing its best to subvert the oh you know tragedy befell the main character, so now he fights back and he's always right. Like that's clearly Aaron Yeager is not. Uh, not your normal shown-in hero or even your normal hero in in any sense even anti-hero he's he's something else something else entirely um i, guess I think it this depends is on
1: the, which point of the series you're in right yeah
0: well exactly and that's that's one of the great things about attack on titan is that yeah you could pick it up literally arc to arc and it is a different sort of style and series this is you're right it is just power rangers but it is also very much trying to subvert The idea that, oh, the Power Rangers are all always good in these, you know, Sentai things. You know, usually the only time you see the Rangers being anything but good and wholesome is like, oh, one of them got got controlled by a space alien and he's being a jerk for an episode, right? Like pretty much the rest of the time, Power Rangers are like all good, always good. Um, So this is why this is a cool breakdown of, you know, the Power Rangers, the Super Sentai, stuff like that
1: i agree i i just i just mean i don't think it'll be like a global phenomenon like attack on titan was because i think that is such a unique premise i think the i think the the bad superhero kind of trend is trending right now which i think aids ranger reject in being popular however yeah we'll see and this uh, this
0: has an anime announced and i want to say maybe it's also next january that's that's planned for i don't we got a preview for it, maybe sooner than that, even so. Anyways, um, anything else in Ranger Reject? Uh, anything
1: else? Uh, nope, nope, cool. nope, nope. We, we covered it.
0: Let's move on. This next conversation will be shorter, though. I did want to hit on it because Tatsuki Fujimoto's Chainsaw Man this week was short and sweet and
1: awesome to the point,
0: yes. This so. Often we talk about uh, two page, I will often just call them spreads. What a spread is, is just when they use both pages for a single image or connect them through panels, Um, a two page spread, a spread page. There are six spreads in these like 22 pages of of Chainsaw Man this week, uh, which essentially means that 12 of the 22 pages, the majority of them are just big art. Displays right, like this is chap. This is page one we're seeing here. Um, man, and it's just cool. I this is one of those things that I I can't wait to just see gifts on on Twitter animated because I didn't actually go and watch Chainsaw Man anime or much of it. I watched a couple episodes, but because because reading it, I'd read it recently, and and reading it is my preferred way of consumption. But yeah, I mean, we get the chainsaw bike. I think a couple of chapters ago, and it's just the chainsaw bike tearing up the city and. This is this is actually the stuff that I think Fujimoto is great at, which is taking a sort of uh, taking a movie trope and putting his own little chainsaw man flair on it. I I, I made it. an yeah. entire video uh on the White Grey Black channel that you can go and watch about Tatsuki Fujimoto's influence from cinema. Uh, and this is like another shiny example I could slot into that video so easy, like, oh yeah the main character and his, his rescue damsel in distress escaping on a motorcycle in a chase. And it's like, and that is what happens this chapter, but there's more, but it's got a chainsaw and twist on it. Right. Um, and it does a bunch of the stuff. That's very kind of stylized. He's driving on the wall and cutting and stuff ca- up. Um, he's
1: casually dropping rubble over like citizens. Like, yes. It's and I'm really sure.
0: Funny. Yeah. And I don't, I don't remember if the next page has a, has people getting hit by rubble or whatever but i mean it's just sort of like uh, it's just great to just have fujimoto uh, like again wearing yeah. his his influences on his sleeve from from movie influences of like oh yeah the you know main character the main character driving a motorcycle cool and it's like oh drive a motorcycle on a wall that's a thing that happens you know kind of pretty often in movies i would say that happens in like Mission Impossible 2 and a couple others. Um, but it's like, yeah, but if it was a chainsaw thing, it would just tear it up. And then... Yeah. Uh, I also just love... I think I just put these two more pages in here, but the... Uh, what is it? The Fall... Is it the Falling Devil?
1: Uh, or, Yep.
0: Yeah, Falling Devil is just like, eat th- I love that her response is just, eat this. And it, like, drops a building on them. I, and and I, is, I, I like that
1: the... If you look at the building, it's not like a building they cut in half. It's a building they uprooted. From yeah, somewhere and you can and see
0: drawn. the, uh, you can see the like earthquake preventive where they has to go like super deep to to be earthquake proof or whatever in Japan. So you oh, can see so a bunch cool. of that in there. It's super interesting, uh, and hand drawn buildings too. It looks like I don't, uh, some of these might be photos sc- or scanned, but who knows. But anyways, I just like I have to praise Fujimoto for putting out just, and he he does this. I remember on my reread, or maybe it was when I was reading, uh first half first part of Chainsaw Man as it came out sometimes you would wait a week or two weeks for a chapter you would get it and it's like 14 or 15 pages or it's action packed and it's literally over this chapter took me maybe like maybe 2 minutes to read like maybe less than that even cuz it's just all art and action um but on rereads chapters like this are so cool it sucks to wait 2 are. weeks and to get kind of yeah. no progress but at the same time when you're rereading and you realize like oh Wow, he like built up, and then we just had a big chapter with six double spreads. All this action art that's really well done. All these cool visuals. Um, it's it's great that he's serving the story better than the, just the weekly. Like I need to put out something that everyone wants to read and is still hooked into. It's like nope, he can just he can just do whatever he wants because he's got one of the most popular things out there. So,
1: uh, true. And you know, it it you're right. It took me like a minute to consume this, but I also went back and. Try to spot like tiny details. Uh, so it was it was just fun rereading it. Yeah. Also, I understand why the falling devil is is so scary. Uh, after falling on my driveway and breaking my nose, <laughs> I am afraid of falling now too. So yes, uh, I I get it.
0: I mean, falling is like I don't want to say it's a little it bit blunt, but like it like kills old people, right? Like you get really yeah. old if you fall down. That's why they have the you know life alert necklace things because if you fall, then you're old. It is certainly yeah. a fear, a fear to be had, and falling from heights. That's the I think the, mo- the biggest fear is heights for, or maybe it's public speaking. Public speaking heights is second, but
1: I it, the, the, it was like a two thousand nine stat, but it was public speaking and then death. Yep. Uh, which then, is just hilarious.
0: <laughs> yeah, heights is up there, pretty high too. Cool. Anything else yeah. on on Chainsaw Man here? Like I said, a short little segment, but I. I I've been sick this week so I didn't wanna do something I needed to think about too much. But changed nah, It's worth so.
1: talking about too. So yeah, uh no, nothing else. Uh fun chapter. Looking forward to the next one.
0: Cool. Um, let's talk a little bit more then about uh Ryoko Kui's delicious and Dungeon, Dungeon Meshi. Um again, we're gonna do no spoilers for this because the most recent chapter, which I think was two or three weeks ago, um we're in the sort of falling action resolution of that story. My guess is it finishes out by the end of the year or maybe early next year. Uh, So we're not going to talk about that because it's hard to talk about. It's better easier to talk about a climax than it is to talk about falling action because then you have to spoil everything that came before, which is a lot of setup in this case. Um, But let's just talk about it in general, about things we like about it. um, Why is this a good series?
1: Yeah, and also another reason for no spoilers is people are... Probably seeing the PV and just getting into it, so uh, exactly. Yeah, it's it's better to wait like a few months, I guess. For this, yeah.
0: So this will be more. This will be more of a conversation about uh, why you should go and read this before the anime comes out. I guess would be the big pitch here.
1: Uh yeah. Well, first of all, I think we've briefly mentioned this multiple times, and I've always said it is magical. Like the series, it it just does it. It just gets it done, it does it right. It has the it factor of, uh, it it does everything well. The pacing, the the characters, the jokes, everything. But it has the mysterious factor that I can't put my finger on that just makes it special. Um, What what would you say, what do you like about Delicious and Dungeon?
0: I agree that it has that X factor. I think the X factor, there's only some pieces of art that can really create... An atmosphere um, and I think that not only does Dungeon Meshi have a cool interesting uh, unique atmosphere I think it might be the best at communicating that and executing and sort of playing with the atmosphere we've often said sort of the initial setup is this uh, is that it's a Dungeons and Dragons campaign and the DM is like knows more about cooking than anything else. and so they kind of have worked that in. Um, and that's kind of how the series starts, and it pretty quickly moves into more of a more of a serious, less of a kind of cooking adjacent uh, series. But yeah, something uh, something about the atmosphere inside the dungeon feels very different from the time spent outside the dungeon. And it's, it's got that sort of mysterious, familiar, but also different, right? You, I, uh, one yeah. of the examples I'll use that's only really a very, very minor spoiler, but at one point they come across like a, like a water, water tentacle monster kind of controlled by a little like ball. Um, and that was one of those things that felt like, oh, this is very, this is very d and I can see something like this happening, um, But at the same time, the sort of context that it was in, in this kind of like darkened, like water only world that was very weird, but it's kind of very weird, but not super weird. Just like a little, a little twist on a thing that you know, or a thing that is, uh, is very, not, not generic, but a very familiar fantasy trope, I guess you could say, um, it's got a lot of that. It's got a lot of this sort of like, oh, going inside a painting to, you know, see to experience life inside the painting. And Dungeon Meshi does that, but it's also it's got a little bit more of a weird twist on it. And going inside the painting is maybe that's a real world and maybe interacting with real people in there, or maybe it's time travel, or maybe it's some other magic. Um It just has this little kind of this little kind of flourish on its world building and its storytelling. And it's, it's, like I said, it just creates an atmosphere where you can tell that something is off and different and new and special, while at the same time feeling kind of very comfy and familiar.
1: I completely agree. And uh, just to add one thing onto that, I feel like it's very much a and d party through and through, where they're all buds, they all get into shenanigans, and they all fail upwards without realizing they're failing upwards. A lot of Uh, them, yeah um here is a a tiny spoiler example uh of what i like about the series so there is a moment where they all switch races uh with each other so the human turns into a dwarf the elf turns into a halfling etc the halfling turns into a human one they spend time exploring the downsides and the upsides because initially they like being each other's races. They yeah they only the see halfling the gets to be
0: it. tall, gets to be you know six and a half feet tall as a human and all that. They're all like, the oh, human gets great. to
1: be durable because he's a dwarf now, mm-hmm. but then they see the downsides. And um, I thought while reading this, I'm like, I wonder what happens to their lifespans if they stay this way. And the great part is the author has thought about that as well. Like yep. before even I had, and brings it up in a few pages. Like, well, you do know elf character that as a halfling you only live till 50 give it like 30 more years and you're gonna be like on your deathbed and that freaked her out you know like small moments like that where the author cares more about fantasy and fantasy situations than you the audience do and brings it up in a natural way i don't know yeah. it's great
0: and that's, that's, again, one of those things where you go, oh, yeah, I'm, like, body switching. I'm familiar with that. Every race has different, you know, stat lines or sizes. Ha <laughs> ha, body swapping is fun. But then, yeah, exactly like you said, she throws that little twist, that little flourish on the end of, like, oh, yeah, but we all live a different amount of time. And you're like, oh, yeah. And that's, like, important. And that's, like, a real thing people worry about. I don't know. There's, It is really hard to pick just one thing that makes Dungeon Meshi so, like, so good or so special or, or so different but something about it just does feel so about it just does feel super different and special while also being very familiar
1: uh, can i attempt to pinpoint what makes it special because spend, i think i have it i
0: think we spend the rest of the time talking about it trying to pick out what makes it so special
1: well i think it's just because it does everything we want out of a good narrative interpersonal character stuff great jokes that don't miss like good pacing, good plot, good art, it does all of that all at the same time while making it seem seamless. So mm-hmm. if it makes a joke, it doesn't undercut a serious moment. If it does a serious moment, it transitions into character stuff or comedy or any... It, it just transitions into the next thing so fluidly that no moment from the series ever undercuts another moment. And I think yeah. that's such a tricky balance that this author has mastered.
0: I was going to say, that's a very tricky thing to balance. You'll, I mean, to bring up something that most people are familiar with, you'll see a lot of complaints about this in the Marvel movies where they'll have a very serious moment that has somebody, you know, will always have a character in the back come in and be like, why are you being so weird? Joke, glib, haha, ha. And yeah. it's like that, that sucks in storytelling. If you're a storyteller, um, there is a way to do that that strikes more on sort of melancholia than it does just have somebody say something glib to break the tone. Um, Yeah, I I, I think I definitely agree with you. I think, and I think even more so than her transitions from kind of one to the other, it's that she's just really good at all of them. So it is so hard to find a series where... The action is good, and the visual design is good, and the page layouts are good, and the characters are really good, and the story is really good, and you know, and the plot and the twists are really good, and the comedy is good. Did I already say that? I don't know. It's just the only other author I can think who like really pulls off all Wait, of let me these guess, things. Let me guess.
1: Let me guess. what you're gonna say. Uh, you're you gonna, know, say, um, you know gonna say shit. Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah,
0: Arakawa. Yeah, Arakawa. Yeah. Yeah, is is one of the only other authors I can think who can do all of this at the same time. I would say maybe one is another author who does this pretty well. Um, but one also isn't a great artist. So yeah, I yeah. think I think that Ryoko Kui, uh doing all of that while also, I mean, look how gorgeous this cover is, right? Like this is uh, yeah, volume six. Yeah, it's fucking amazing. It's so good. Um, doing all of that while also being also being sort of a great visual design. I know a couple of weeks ago, we brought up Dungeon Meshi and talked about how she does the little character studies the with the race swapping and stuff like that of the fantasy characters. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things that I think it is so hard to find a single creator, a mangaka, who is good at just all facets of manga, right? Of the artistic, and the storytelling and the writing and the and like we were talking about, the jokes and the visuals, and the design, and the panels and all of that. It is so, 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 so hard to be good at all of those. And I think that Ryoku is one of the very few mangaka who um who is one of those authors. And I think that's why Dungeon Meshi is so special. Because I think I think this will probably end up going down up up top with me. I mean, I think this will probably finish maybe top ten series manga of all time that I've ever read. It, it's up just there. too good. It's, it's just, just so good. good. Yeah. And it's good. And it's good in all, everything it does.
1: And I, I think for people who like great character stuff, this is full of it. It, it mm-hmm. explores interpersonal dynamics, character motivations, their role within the party. Uh, it, it does, it does everything. So yeah, this is, it, we're praising it a lot and I think it deserves that praise. So I do. Think uh, do. Yeah. I, I, we can't really talk spoilers here, but go read it and judge for yourselves. Uh, Come back with an opinion. Uh, I want to hear what you all think.
0: And I would say pay, pay extra attention to one, the very start of chapter one. Um, And then also if you aren't digging, I would say if you are not digging the sort of cooking part of it, please note that it about 12 or 15 chapters in the cooking part takes a big backseat to just, a great, much more of a great, more focused story. Um, the cooking part of it, I think, is the kind of uh, strange attractor, which I've talked about, the little elevator mm-hmm. pitch of, oh, it's a D&D party, but they have to learn to make omelets with basilisk eggs instead of normal eggs, and some people think it's gross, or blah, blah, blah. Like, that's kind of like the strange attractor, like, oh, that sounds fun and funny. I'll give that a read. Um, and I enjoyed those early chapters, but I think it's around chapter 14, uh, where stuff, it just kind of... It does less of the, oh, we're going to cook something weird and a lot more of, like, there's a story going on and then you'll get a page or two of, like, and we had to cook something weird while this really good story and really good character stuff went on in
1: the background. And I I I want to add one thing that I think is kind of cool about this, and I, I think you might agree with me here, Bruce, is that I think the series does moving the goalposts very well because very much Except so like they the are... Screen? I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe <laughs> are not. you talking um,
0: about Are you talking about the way that the it, it, it story literally, yeah, expands it, it, kind of beyond a, what you well, think what it I is? Said,
1: did this, what I said mean something else? Moving
0: the goalpost is more about like I plan to do this, and then you don't do it, and you go, "Oh no, I've only planned to do less, and I did less." Oh, I
1: meant I meant like once they hit their goal, it, they find out that the goalpost is all elsewhere.
0: I guess it could be maybe moving.
1: I, maybe, maybe in the cultural zeitgeist, that term means something else now. But yeah, anyway, I it, think you, I think you understand yes. what I mean.
0: I I do understand the story. Yes, they set out to do something in chapter one, and when they complete it, there's there's more going on that they have to tackle afterwards. And then they get their next thing, and they will learn there's more going on that they have to tackle, which is just sort of a an expanding. Usually, it's
1: frustrating, right? But it's not here. It's yeah, never because frustrating. It's,
0: it's this very natural expanding of the story that it's also a very good way of telling a story in that you can start very small and very close to the characters who have a very personal reason for doing something and then expand that in larger into well this now involves the greater societies or the different races or the sort of area, you know, continent as a whole, something like that. Um, It's much better, in my opinion, to start small and and get bigger, which is what Dungeon Meshi does, than it is to try to start big and focus in on little things.
1: And it captures the spirit of D&D, which is a party of unlikely heroes saving the day.
0: This is something that I wish I could hand to, like, Matt Burser or Brendan Lee Mulligan or someone, right? These guys who run these huge live-play D&D games and be like, I don't know if, if you're even into manga or if you like it, but read two volumes of this and tell me you don't want to keep reading it and tell me it isn't an inspiring and perfect and wonderful story for uh, for anyone who's sort of a fan of D&D or likes that uh, kind of custom high fantasy type stuff that's going on.
1: Uh, my favorite D&D podcast is called Not Another D&D Podcast and mm-hmm. uh, one of the people, Caldwell Tanner, uh he was in College Humor stuff, but uh, he oh, mentions really? okay. that he reads uh, Delicious in Dungeon. He loves it. So That's awesome. That, that's cool. That's neat to know.
0: Yeah, I would love to know. I mean, Matt Mercer's the big, big one. He's a busy mm-hmm. guy voicing Ganondorf and <laughs> doing all those other stuff. Oh, the that? Oh,
1: okay.
0: In, the, in uh, Tears of the Kingdom, yeah, he voices. He I voices was wondering Th- why he sounded Ganondorf. familiar. Yeah. Uh, okay. But yeah, I mean, I think those guys would love it. Um, is there any more? Yeah, this was oh, the yeah, panel yeah, you were I, talking I, about with uh,
1: uh, this is, I, I just wanted to include this in here, um, this is Succubi trying to trick the party into, like, their wildest desires, and this is Marseille, the elf. The half-elf,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah, the half-elf, uh, her fantasy man, and everyone's just like, she has fucking awful taste. Awful <laughs> taste. Look at, look at this fucking elf. Can't even see its hands. It's just a puffy coat all the yeah. way through. I didn't even notice that, but yeah, <laughs> And the
0: succubus. That that stuff was fun and also yeah. serious and scary at the same time.
1: Um, I just yeah. love that she she does the woo the the woo. Yeah, I don't like, even know how to woo. how to say it. That's
0: woo. the the woo. The
1: the horny when someone,
0: woo. Yeah, when someone gorgeous walks in, you're like woo.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just look at uh, woo. <laughs> that iPad. I yeah. I wonder what that kanji on the iPad says
0: i don't know i <laughs> hey man i have to go look it up that would be it'd be funny to know that yeah uh, well and maybe it's not a kanji because there's no kanji on the bigger face in the bottom left i think left. they
1: just edited it out maybe i don't know or maybe We're
0: yeah not. it's possible maybe it's only in the little one as a as a joke or something but cool yeah. that's and that's a huge sell on go read dungeon meshi or at the very least get hyped and excited for the anime in six months um it's going to be good. I cannot imagine. I, they announced the uh, voice actors list. And I'm trying. The only person I recognized was Senshi the Dwarf had somebody. So ba- 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 Marcel's voice actress is an actress named Sayaka Senbongi. Senbongi. You um, need someone
1: frantic for her.
0: She, I'm trying to think. She was in Bochi the Rock as Kikuri, which I did not watch, but a lot of people did. Um oh, oh she, she does plays she,
1: ha- Haru the rabbit in uh Stars.
0: Yes, that was that yes, that was the big one that I recognized. Yeah, she's Haru in Beastars. Stars. She's also the male lead co in Yofukashi no Uda, the what is that, Sound of the Night or whatever it is. Um da, 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 da. She's, Yeah, she's I mean she's done a lot of stuff as most voice actors have. Um, the other guy who was really recognizable was uh Senshi's voice Hiroshi Naka. Um let me see. He has been in... There was something that I recognized in there that I was like, oh my gosh, yes. He, That's a great he have, thing.
1: Uh, audio listeners? He plays every old man in anime. Oh, he's, I'm, he's, I'm he's Garp. I'm looking at his character lists there. Every, oh, he's Garp. He's Garp he in, also, in,
0: in One Piece. So yeah, okay. which okay, I cool. think is a great. Garp and Senshi are similar kind of characters.
1: If you scroll down, he plays every old man. There are a lot like, of old... I, I, he's,
0: yeah, I'm scrolling down looking at the little list and it's just old good
1: dudes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh,
0: so Dungeon Meshi, it's great. That's our big pitch sale on it. Um, Gautam, any last thoughts you want to leave on Dungeon Meshi before we move on to close here?
1: I think we gushed enough. It's fucking fantastic. Just, it's uh, so good. Go check it out
0: absolutely go read it it does have an english publication you can find it in barnes and nobles um let's talk about one more little thing we've been doing
1: can i do a quick shout out before we we do our one more thing um i would like to say i and i don't know if you read this bruce but i read versus chapter six yes yeah i think since chapter one and two this was the best chapter uh but i also think the chapters before this were boring
0: yeah, verses is weird. Chapters one and two were really good, mm-hmm. I would say, and then I would also say, well, I guess that would be three, four, five, where kind of yeah. like you're repeat. You're doing the same thing. You are repeating that. There are a bunch of things, and they are all dangerous, and what are we going to do? And it was like a meeting, a meeting, a meeting. It was literally three meeting chapters in a row. There's another meeting in this chapter, by the way. Maybe two meetings, if you want to think about it like that.
1: Um, It was like sitting through a company all-hands meeting. You're just... Yes. It was very much
0: like, I'm not involved in this. There's 14 other people types here. It, It was very it wasn't even necessarily bad because I guess I do kind of understand the world now, but it was, it seemed kind of an amateurish way to go about it. It was definitely not the best way to go about it.
1: it. It was the exposition dump, you know? And, um, I feel like we got the gist after chapter three. That was perfect. I see the the necessity for that, but like you said, they repeated this, like the exact same points in four and five. And I, it was bizarre uh strangely, not like one's writing um so that, that was just a bit strange to me but with chapter six, I feel like it's coming back to form better.
0: I do think I and I think when we talked about verses earlier, we did mention that like maybe once all of this is over it'll get back to being good uh, and I think that's what's happening. I think they've sort of laid the groundwork and I think now it'll just be one doing again, there was like character stuff the the pretty guy and the main dude without an arm and the girl all kind of had. Interesting character motivation moment stuff in this one, so mm-hmm. yeah, definitely gonna keep keep keeping up with verses. Uh,
1: and uh, what do you what do you think? Like the the, the pretty boy character, right? Well, mm-hmm. clearly he cares about our MC. I'm forgetting his name, um, but bear with me on that. Japanese uh, names are very hard to remember for Western people. It, uh, it's just I, I just don't remember. The story isn't memorable enough yet for me to yeah. log these in my memory. Well, um, and if but... they aren't
0: saying their name every chapter six times, like. Someone like Denji's name, like everyone just said Denji a bunch in Chainsaw Man, and so you like yeah. know his name because they say his name it, a lot. If they don't say his name a lot, because there's other stuff going on, you don't know it.
1: Uh, yeah, I agree. <laughs> but either way, like I, I one the Reddit comments mentioned that the the Pretty Boy Hero's sword isn't like lighting up like our MC's is. So I'm assuming he either made a pact with the Demon King that he fought, ran away from the Demon King he fought, or I don't know, like, cut a bargain or something. He did something That cowardly. would be my guess.
0: My, my guess is he was a coward. Mm-hmm. That's how I read this whole chapter, was that he was very much lying when he said, oh, yes, I went and fought mine and also lost. Because it's like, everybody else who lost against their demon thing died. Like, almost everyone died except for, like, the MC dude. Um, I think it's more likely he's just a coward than a pure traitor, but you never know.
1: I, I kind of I, wish someone questioned him what happened to the rest of his group. Cause they're not there, right? So right, you
0: know. yeah, I and I, I think it makes uh, it it plays more into what I've seen one right before, especially with people like Reagan and Mob Psycho. Uh, the blonde pretty boy, uh, he feels more like a Reagan type character, right? Who's kind of like. He just fake seems like and putting guy. up a front yeah. and is like maybe maybe he's a good guy but was a coward at an important time or is, you know, mm-hmm. a coward sometimes but good underneath. He seems more like that kind of character than he does like I'm a bad guy and I'm here to betray you all, which is not exactly. really one's type of writing. So
1: I agree. Yeah. So uh either way, this is the first chapter of versus since it started that sparked any kind of interest for me. So I'm I'm looking forward to it again.
0: This definitely introduced some much more interesting stuff, especially with the pretty boy. I think that's uh, I think that was a a pivotal a pivotal good reveal here. So
1: yeah, cool. So we'll keep our eye out on that.
0: Absolutely. Um, we good? We we, we one more thinging now.
1: We Gucci. Let's go.
0: Spoilers. You first. What have you been doing? Uh,
1: okay, buddy. I I actually wasn't that hyped up about Zelda. Um, and you mentioned how awesome it was. Yeah, so I played it like a week late, and I'm like, I have nothing to do, I'll play this shit. I, bear with me, people listening, uh, I wasn't huge on Breath of the Wild. I I liked old Zelda games, I liked the temples and all that. Tears of the Kingdom is fucking great. I, I don't know what to say, I'm hooked. It's really good. You got my buy-in. You have everything I liked about old Zelda, Uh, and like the fuse system, fix the weapon breaking system, any weapon can be good. Yep. Uh, like it it just, it does very little wrong and it is hard to, I, I think if you go into this game, it's hard not to have fun.
0: For sure. There's, there's a lot. Let me guess when I was telling you about it, I think what really sold you on it was I told you that I think I literally have to drop because I think Breath of the Wild is like one of the most immaculately designed games I've ever seen. Everything plays together every traversal option and weapon and weapon breaking and rain and all these things that people complain about, the game does not work if you just take them out or change them. That being said, this game is now even more perfect because they have added new mechanics and rebalanced the old mechanics and changed the way everything works, and it still all works together to me just as well as Breath of the Wild did, maybe even better, and it's even more complex and more depth, more even more depth, the depths, ha ha ha. Yeah, then uh, I, I literally think I have to drop my score of Breath of the Wild. And I put 400 hours into that game. I, I, I was unemployed when it, that game came out, and all I did was play that game.
1: Personally, I think it, like a, a game is a, a piece in time, right? I don't think you have to mm-hmm. drop your score just because something is better now than it was back yeah. then, right? Um, but, but it's like, but this game... I, I see what you mean. It's just, yeah, iter- iteratively, it is so much better. Um, it is. I, it's just better. And I think it, one is because I feel like the world doesn't feel as empty. There's so much to do. People talk to you and give you a million way more quests. quests, which are good, the even though they're fun small. Quests. Yeah, and yeah. For,
0: yeah, they're fun and interesting and sends you places that you maybe wouldn't have gone. Yeah, uh, the it's powers just, are better,
1: which makes the shrines better by default. Powers like, are better. The powers shrines are, are better. all more fun. Yeah, the equip
0: like, the, equi- the zoni. What do you call them? Capsules? Build anything? I mean, you've you've seen it, right? If you're on Twitter or TikTok or anything at all, you've seen you know Korok torture machines or giant laser mechs or somebody built Metal Gear Rex that I saw today on Twitter. That's insane. Um, it's just so much fun. And the thing is, if you don't really want to interact, if you don't, you're not a builder type person, if you don't really like Minecraft or building things, you don't really have to do all that much. Like You don't have to interact with that. There are hours of the game while I'll play where I don't really build anything. I'm just running around, you know, doing caves or climbing mountains or whatever. It's very cool yeah. that it's like, what? Do I, how do I feel like playing this game? Am I just going to go and build and fly? Or am I going to, you know, put my boots on the ground and climb mountains like it's Breath of the Wild again? And you can do either.
1: Um, and I'll say, I'm not a huge game. builder. I'm not like, I never played Minecraft. I'm not a huge builder guy. That's not where I get the fun in the game. I like building in this game and it has been fun. But for me, the best part has been how... Great the traversal is with all the options you have. to tra- I, mm-hmm. I'm a huge traversal guy. I like uh, Spider-Man for that reason. So fun traversing that game. I know Bruce doesn't like it for different reasons. Uh, than the I Traverse the game. only
0: reason I didn't like Spider-Man is because you could not reverse the Y-axis. And I the, the
1: camera. A Twenty-five
0: years I've played with inverse Y-axis because I grew up starting playing flying games. My dad played a bunch of plane games, and it's like I can't. I can't unlearn that. I could. It would take me a year or more and I just, it's unfun for me to try to do that. Um, for, for I, I'm me, leave I, you... I just
1: I just don't realize one way or another. I, just, I, I don't yeah. know. My, I'm going to leave you
0: with something to, to tease you uh, of a shrine in Breath of the Wild that I think you'll you'll think I'm joking or lying, but I am not. There is a what shrine is that you should look forward to, which is literally the ending of Halo 1 in a shrine. Do you know what I'm that's talking insane. about? Yeah,
1: yeah. Yes, Getting off, this shrine uh, is the literally
0: Halo. the end of Halo 1, the shrine.
1: Oh, that's it's hype. so fun. That's hype. I love that. It's super cool. All um, right. Uh, that, that's what I, I I got to say on Zelda. I feel like I've been too positive this, this episode, so yep. on to you. I've,
0: I have also been playing a bunch of Zelda, but at the same time, I started reading Monster again. I was about 40 or so chapters in previously. Now I'm like 60 or 70. I'm a little, almost halfway through or maybe right at halfway. Um, God damn, man. Naoki Kurosawa, I, if you go back, how long ago did I read Pluto? Maybe at the beginning of the year? Maybe right before? Probably the? three months I think ago. it was January.
1: Yeah, something like that.
0: But I, I mean, I raved. I absolutely raved about Naoki Urasawa's, uh Pluto. And I know people rave about Monster. And I was like, "Yeah, Pluto's probably a little bit better." He wrote it, you know, ten years after, fifteen years after uh, Monster. Man, I don't, Monster is so it's so good.
1: Okay, I, just I need c- one thing from you then. Uh, give us an elevator pitch without spoiling anything. Like the the, the beginning is funny, this is of course.
0: this is the best story about a serial killer you've ever read.
1: That's insane. Like That's a
0: hands high down. And it's not even because it, it I will say it's not necessarily. Uh, okay. I, for those of you who have read or seen it, I am towards the end, I would say of the Munich arc, which is like a 30 chapter, almost maybe even 35, 40 chapter arc. Um, that has a lot to do with like this, this rich guy and his son and Johan, who's the serial killer, blah, blah, blah guy. Um, you kind of slowly, we're slowly getting more and more revealed about Johan. I know people think he's like one of the best quote unquote serial killers of all time. I'm not there yet. I can definitely see, I'm, I think we're going to get there. I can see it on the horizon. The story is really good because of all the like other minor people. And I think I mentioned this in Pluto also. Urasawa can just do this thing where he'll write one chapter that's just, like, about this new person that he introduces to you at the beginning of the chapter, they go on their little journey, and they end, and it it ties back in with either they're involved with Tenma, the Doctor, or they're involved with with Johan or something. Um, And somehow those, like, individual chapters are, like, the most, these, like, perfectly sculpted 20 to 25 page stories that are, like, Immaculate and he'll just drop them in the middle of the story. Like you'll you'll be reading and it'll be Tedma investigating and and the police investigating and the the secret I can't remember what they're called. The it's not the German secret police is like the KBI or something or BK BKI, BKB, something like that. Um anyway, that's another really interesting character. And you'll you'll be doing all these things and you'll read in your chapter and you'll be like, Oh, weird. Do I not know this person? Do I remember them? And you'll read and you'll get to the end, and at the end they'll like they'll die or they'll just like bump shoulders with another character and then you start the next and it's just like the most perfectly like it just literally he just drops like perfect individual chapters in the middle of this story and he does it like like every 10 chapters I will stop I will like put down I'm reading on my phone I will put it down and I'll be like that's maybe one of the best individual manga chapters I've ever read. I've done that. I can count four times in the 60 or so ta- chapters I have read of Monster. And I I mentioned it in Pluto, but when I read the first like eight chapters of Pluto, there's like three chapters in a row where I was like, wow, that was like the best manga chapter I've ever read individually. And then the next one is better, and the next one is even better. Something about Urasawa is he can just like, I don't know, he can just put together these chapters that are just like so... It's just like the, for me at least, and maybe not for everyone, but it's just the most like perfect storytelling. And it's like perfectly presented in this perfectly small 25 page chapter. And it starts and it ends and it has the, an arc and it has all the little points. And the way he sets a scene is amazing. And his, I like, I love the way he draws his characters as very sort of not ugly always, but oftentimes very kind of like ugly and, you know, like thick-necked and big-nosed human, and th- right? very human yeah it's very like oh that looks like a real dude that doesn't look like an anime dude right like I or, or it does look like a little bit like a like an anime manga character but also it's like I can translate that into a real person in my mind way easier than you know looking at I don't know like Naruto characters or something right I don't know he's like I'm consistently sold on Urasawa being like Maybe the greatest manga author of all time. Like I, Pluto blew me away, and picking up Monster uh, and reading more chapters of it, I am again like just blown away by how good, how good the writing is, and how uh, he's not—he's definitely not like the best artist in the world, but how like appropriate and good his like paneling. He does this really cool scene thing. That I really want to make a video about it so maybe this is a preview for a future video if I ever get back to that um, he does this thing when he sets the scene where he always he will always give you like a zoomed out picture of the setting and then he will zoom in on the setting and then he will show you the people and then he will zoom in on the people and he he does this like every single time he does this like almost every chapter starts with like here's our lo- here's where we are here's where our characters are specifically here are the characters here's the one we're focusing on. He does that in sort of three or four panels every time. And it's just like, you don't even think about it, but the flow of always knowing sort of where you are in the story, where you are in Munich, in Germany, and like where your characters are, it's like super important to following following along with the story. It's something that like One Piece is has concerns with I would say although Oda knows this and will often tell you hey we are now here in this location
1: specifically we got the mini Oda, yeah.
0: yeah Oda kind of handles it in a very uh straightforward I don't want to say non-skilled way but he just kind of says it's, I it's know a you very might
1: shown in Luffy yes. one piece way right it's a
0: very it's just... sort of like hey I know you might be lost we're right here I'm pointing where we are whereas Urasawa always does this very this sort of very skillful like Here's a picture of the outside of the library. Now we're inside the library. Now we're looking at a bookshelf, and on top of this bookshelf is Tenma, and here's we're zooming in on Tenma. This is his expression, and now we've suddenly, in the span of four or five uh, panels, we've gotten our specific location, where our character is, our character's face, and what they're feeling or saying to start, and then he starts the chapter, right? And he does this every time he changes a scene. So he's just in a... I mean, like just the the storytelling of Urasawa is... Just like it's it's insanely good. I cannot. Monster. I think at the start starts a little. It's a little slow and chaotic. Well, at I the expect same this time. whole thing
1: to be a slow burn, right?
0: It is very much a slow burn, but at the same time, again, he will occasionally just drop a chapter, and you're like, that was one of the best chapters I've ever read. So, I, it's it's a treat to read. I'm I'm loving it. I am hopefully going to try to get through it before the uh, next podcast we do. We'll see if I can. It's seventy five chapters left to go.
1: I'm a huge fan of uh things that reaffirm humanity you know like Mm -hmm. not not even in a positive way but things that make me feel more connected to humankind and i think there are works that do that not like i'm a robot or an alien uh allegedly but i i think there are series that you read or view that hit the core of humanity good and bad and just say hey this is the human condition this is how we act in certain situations and that's what it is and that resonates deeply and i i don't know if i am describing this in a way that makes sense to everyone but uh, you
0: would yeah i mean i think i told you this when i talked about pluto you would love pluto and i think you would also love monster because i think i think urusawa's work have that that same through line of this sort of humanity thing the big tension in monster and anyone who's seen it or or heard about it knows that the very sort of plot hook is dr tenma saves this child johan when he's very young like eight or nine johan grows up to be assumed a serial killer he kills all these people he kind of frames dr tenma or tenma gets caught up in it and he's well accused it, it, of murder. isn't it a
1: moral decision because he he could either uh, he's a brain surgeon that could either yes. save this rich rich benefactor or this child
0: yes essentially it was yeah. like he was like hey the next the next uh it was like the next surgery up is this kid and uh yeah like a rich guy or a politician or somebody dies and he goes and everyone's like, you have to go save him. He's very important. You have to go save him. He goes, no, like I'm in the operating room with this child. I'm saving this child. And so, yeah, so, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff like that. But the, the big friction, the kind of, uh, storytelling impetus to a lot of the story is that Tenma feels responsible for saving Johan. And so he thinks, well, I have to be the one to stop him, to kill him. But at the same time, there's all of these kind of signs and signals. Again, I'm only halfway through the story. There's all these signs and signals that say, like, it's very kind of Batman-esque where it's like, never take a life, don't take a life. You're a doctor, you're committed to saving, you've made the, whatever that promise is, where do no harm,
1: save Hippocratic people. Ode.
0: Hippocratic Oath. Hippocratic Oath, there you go. Um, that's, that's like a, the humanity in Monster is all about, you know, is... Can a person dedicated to saving lives, is taking a life the right thing to do? If it saves more lives, is it, can he do it when the time comes to it? There's all, and I don't, because I'm in the middle of it, I don't know where we're going to end up with all these questions, but the fact that Ursa was even getting at them, it's very similar to Pluto, right? Where Pluto's very much talking about is is anger and violence a part of the human condition? Is it something we need to embrace? Is it something we need to throw away? Is it something we need to reject? And he plays around with that with robots and, and humans. And again, all stories about robots are stories about the human condition. If they're right. worth anything. So, uh, I, this seems, I'm seeing a lot of very similar, uh, similar through line, those humanity type things you were talking about. So yeah, I mean, it's, I'm, if, if, if you know the, the sort of Munich arc that I'm reading, if you're familiar with it, I literally, is on top of a bookshelf right now, and that's, like, I mean, it's tense. I'm ready to get back to it, so.
1: You, you'll have to report back when you finished it.
0: I will, yeah. Um, I want to hear,
1: I mean, uh, hear, like, kind of uh, what you thought.
0: Yeah, I, I'm loving it, and I know that people like the anime and the ending, and Johan, I know, is going to get better. He's already a great character, I just have not. I have not seen as much of him as I have of some of the other characters, uh, and mm-hmm. he has not been explored as fully because we're again. I am only about halfway through, so
1: yeah, also, I, this is great. It's it inspired like a bunch of shit everyone loves, like Psychopaths and Death Note and all that, you know. So
0: yeah, there and those seem like cheap cheap rip offs now that I now that I am reading the OG. Really, huh?
1: um, yeah.
0: And the fact that he wrote this in like I think Monster started being published in like ninety four, maybe. It's such a cool like. I, I, I love reading things that are like recent history period pieces, right? Like, oh, this takes place in like 1996 or 97, I think, is when is when most of it happens. And it's like, that's so interesting to go back to a time where it's like, some people have cell phones, but very, very few. Most people have to call through whatever things. There's no internet, really. Do you think
1: our time currently would be will be looked back upon as fascinating?
0: I mean, I think... I mean, I think even if you went back to like 2012, I mean, I'm thinking of like what's. I don't, the... I don't think
1: that would be interesting to me at all. Well, have but you seen. But maybe it's because the... I lived
0: it. Yeah. Well, I mean, have you seen the movie that's about the. The uh, housing crisis. What's that movie
1: called? Yeah, The Big Short.
0: Big Short, yeah. Like that. I mean, I think The Big Short's super interesting, and it takes place that's, through a t- time that I lived through. It's, it takes place in 2008, right? 2007. That's a
1: good point. It, it was a subject matter in a world I wasn't aware of or involved mm-hmm. in, right? So yeah. that makes sense, yeah. And it's
0: right. kind of similar with Monster. Monster is like I get Germany, mid 90s, maybe even early 2000s, but I find that super interesting as a setting. Also, yeah, I. I'm doing the same thing I did when we talked about Pluto, where I just said I could just gush about this for ages, and I could about No about worries. It was, fun. it was
1: fun listening to it. And everyone, uh. I think
0: I know people have seen the anime. I think you know, right? You know that this is a super good series, and I'm, I'm disappointed in myself for just not getting to it. But I'm also looking forward to, I added uh, Urasawa's other series. I added 20th Century Boys, which I've heard is maybe the best thing he's ever written, and Billy Bat.
1: I, I hear that too. Yeah, so I'm going to get through uh, those. Either way, eventually. we want to report back when, when you're done. Um, because I, I I just want to hear a consensus here.
0: Yeah, it'll probably be two full weeks before I get back to it. But uh, sure, Or before I finish yeah. it, maybe. But i mean like I said, I'd, I'm continually impressed, and I would say best individual manga chapters I've ever read. Urosawa probably has like three of the top five spots for me right now. Damn, there's a chapter about two about two guys early on in Monster. There's like chapter seven or eight of uh of Pluto is on there. There's a chapter in the middle of Pluto that I thought was just the greatest thing ever. There's like another chapter, a couple of chapters ago on Monster that was just like that's maybe the single greatest manga chapter I've ever read. So crazy what he can do with just a couple of pages.
1: Yeah. Good writers do that, man.
0: Absolutely. Cool. Anything else we want to talk about this week or uh oh, shout out to the
1: out Big here. Short. Go watch that. It's, yeah. It's cool.
0: The Big Short's a great movie. Uh yeah.
1: Lots of that other stuff. Or just, just go
0: watch Monster. Now that I'm thinking about it, people love the anime, go watch it. Yeah, go watch it. Cool. Thank you for listening or watching, everybody. Uh, don't forget to check out the YouTube channels if you're here on YouTube at the White WGB Weekly Manga Podcast. Do not forget to check out White, Gray, Black. That's my more curated manga content. Um, Thoughts for the Podcast up on WGB Weekly Manga Podcast. You can also listen to those podcasts through most major, uh, most major purveyors. If you want to support us, the best thing you can do is just give us positive reinforcement on wherever you're consuming us. Give us a thumbs up. Give us a like, uh, write a review Find for us, us on in the Apple real podcast. World.
1: Give us five bucks.
0: Yeah. Hunt us down for wherever we yeah. live and just slap a 20 in my, you know, and say, that sounds nice, great. nice podcast, dude, bro.
1: <laughs> Wouldn't freak me out at all.
0: I, I would be a little freaked out, but also, Hey, 20 bucks is 20 bucks. So yeah, it's true. Uh, if you really want to help out, there is a Patreon, patreon.com slash WGB Manga. There's a couple bonus episodes there if you're interested in that. Uh, we would, Don't forget, you can give just a dollar or two dollars, and it's uh, super appreciated. Um, check me out on Twitter at WGB Manga. If you want to suggest something or something we should be, or provide feedback, give us a comment. Uh, yeah, and as always, thank you so much for being with us. See you later. Please come back next week, and don't forget to read more manga.